You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. Good Monday morning. This is the Surveyor's Hour on America's Web Radio. I'm your host, Jeff Lucas. I'm a land surveyor and attorney at law. Uh, We will spend the next hour talking about land surveying and land surveyors. As always, your questions and comments are welcome. You can send me your questions or comments at jeff at americaswebradio.com. You can find out more about me at my personal website, www.lucasandcompany.com. Check out our resources tab for uh, free downloads of useful information. Uh, This morning, I'm uh, happy to say we have a guest on the program, uh, David Doyle, uh, National Geodetic Survey Chief Geodetic Surveyor, now retired. He's with Base 9 Geodetic Consulting Services in Silver Springs, Maryland. David has been engaged in geodetic surveying since his enlistment in the U.S. Army in 1967. In 1972, he joined the National Geodetic Survey and held the position of Chief Geodetic Surveyor for 12 years prior to his retirement in January 2013. He was responsible for the development technical design and management of plans and programs that enhance the United States National Reference System, or the NSRS, as it's frequently referred to. During his career with NGS, his experiences included all phases of geodetic triangulation, astronomic positioning, leveling, GPS data collection, data analysis, datum transformations, network adjustments, data publications, and outreach in the form of seminars, workshops, and webinars. His efforts also included extensive activities to direct the coordinate and modernization of, direct and coordinate, excuse me, modernization of uh, national geodetic reference frames in countries in Africa, Central, Caribbean, and South America, Eastern Europe, and the Pacific. Mr. Doyle is a past president of the American Association of Geodetic Surveying, a fellow member of the American Congress on Surveying and Mapping, has served on the U.S. delegation to the International Federation of Surveyors, is an active member of the District of Columbia, Maryland, and Virginia Professional Surveyors Association. David, thank you so much for being on the program today. How are you doing? Uh, Jeff, it's my pleasure. You know, I, I like to say, and it's absolutely the truth, if I was having any more fun, I'd need to be two people. It's a good day to be a surveyor. <laughs> All right, well, that's great. Hey, for some of our audience who might not know, um, I, I, I think we have landowners who, who uh, tune into this program uh, to find out what you know surveyors are up to. Uh, what uh, Could you tell our audience what... Um, a geodetic surveyor is, as opposed to uh, the run-of-the-mill um, property line surveyor or cadastral surveyor, whatever term you want to use. Could, could you give our audience a, a brief explanation? Sure. Well, just kind of in a nutshell, the, the whole science behind geodesy is the determination of the size and shape of the Earth uh, and its gravity field. And, of course, the geodetic surveying part of that is how we go to the field and we realize those activities. That is, putting in control, uh, whether it's passive or active control, that will help surveyors and so many others. And today it's it's a wide variety of different disciplines 
that are requiring high accuracy, horizontal and spatial information. And the geodesy, having the datums and that sort of thing, uh, the academic side, that's one thing. But there has to be a realization. That is, if I want state plane coordinates or I want latitude and longitude or I want a good height, I have to have some way that I can go and access it, realize it. And, and that comes through the survey monuments in the ground or the active control um, GPS stations that are out there. So the geodetic surveyor is the one who provides that aspect of it as it relates to the national reference frame. And in my humble opinion now, the distinction between land surveying, as it has always been, and geodetic surveying is becoming pretty thin. There's a tremendous number of surveyors out there who are using uh, global technologies uh, to, to position themselves for a whole range of applications. Right, right. Yeah, it's a, it's hard to it's it's hard to imagine the surveyor without um, without GPS equipment these days, and uh, the, the the wonderful advances and uh, and all the technology that we have. Oh, that's, that's absolutely uh, correct. I mean, when when I started in this back in the '60s, and the geodetic surveyors, we built the big tall towers so we could get our instruments up above uh, the obstructions and that sort of thing. The average land surveyor didn't do that. The average land surveyor didn't even have electronic distance measuring equipment back, you know, 50 years ago. Well, right. those things are all gone now. I mean, and, and the distinction between the tools, and, and certainly uh, the National Geodetic Survey, the, the agency really came to grips with this a number of years ago, and that the tools that are being used, the, the GPS receiver or the digital barcode level that a land surveyor might go by is no different than the one that, that NGS would buy. Right, right. Uh, well, you know, you, you brought up a point there I, I wanted to ask you. Uh, I ask all of my survey-related guests, uh, so what, what attracted you to this field of study, this field of work, uh, geodetic surveying? I got drafted. <laughs> <laughs> It was, yeah, I'm, old, I, I'm, I'm old enough to understand what that means. <laughs> yeah, I, I commented just recently to, to some young surveyors. I said, you know, invariably all, when you get together with surveyors, that kind of question comes up a lot. And I said, I hope no other surveyor actually gets into the game the way I did. You know, 1967, I was graduating high school, and I got this nice little letter in the mail. It says, we're having a big party. You're invited. You don't get to say no. Um, I was, I was, yeah, I was exceedingly fortunate that my my father, my dad, had just recently retired from from the army as a photogrammetrist. Okay. So he, yeah, he sat me down and he said, "Well, here's the deal, dummy. Um, you know, and he said, you you take that draft notice, or they're going to put you in the infantry. And of course, this was during the middle of Vietnam. And uh, he said, look, you know, high school, you know, I was major." geek in high school, president of the math club, president of the astronomy club, and uh, he said, math, astronomy, that's a surveyor. Okay, Dad. And the rest is history, as they say. <laughs> yeah, well, very good. Um, yeah, I guess it was better than chopping woods, uh, chopping through the swamp in Vietnam or something like that, yes, right? Yes, it was. Absolutely it was. Yeah. I ended up going to Germany, drinking beer, eating schnitzel, and surveying. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> Well, uh, we're, we're going to talk about this, um, what surveyors commonly call the, the 2022 
adjustment. Um, what, what can you just give us uh, kind of an overview? What, what's this all about? What is this 2022 adjustment, and why do we need, why do we need it? Oh, really? That's the, that's the question that every surveyor needs to to know how to answer. Um, mm-hmm. The issue with this goes all the way back to 2008. And at that time, the director of NGS brought all of the technical staff together and said, look, what does the future look like? And every tech, every organization has to go through this periodically. And we sat down and we looked real hard, not only at the functionality of the horizontal and vertical datum as part of the National Spatial Reference System, but I think for the very first time, the agency had the capability of actually looking to the future to see what technological developments were going to look like. Um, I, I've commented any number of times in, in various programs that I've given that when, when I joined NGS in 1972, the agency was playing catch-up to positioning technology and, and had been right along. Even when we finished the, the original NAD83 back in 1986, we had to play catch-up to GPS. So we sat down and we took a good, hard look at, at the reference frame and its capabilities and what we need to do. And out of that, one of the big things we could see, of course, is that that there were major, major changes coming about in space-based positioning. So in 2008, we really only had GPS. That was pretty much it. Well, today yeah. we are on... We're on the cusp of also being able to include the European Union Galileo, the Chinese Beidou, and even the Russian GLONASS is making some great strides. And the United States is starting to launch GPS-3, the Block 3. All of these things will be game changers. And Uh we could see that the reference frame would not support that kind of advancement. So we set out... Literally 10 years ago, we set out to look at how do we change what needs to happen. And and one of the big elements that comes out of it, we we are, let me back up, the the U.S. Air Force has already said that when GPS-3 is active, and hard to figure out what that date's going to be, but we think roughly about 2024, maybe 2025, that we could have real-time positioning integrity, that is, anybody who has a cell phone that's getting GNSS positioning, at roughly about 60 centimeters or or two feet. Uh That right there, that right there puts high-accuracy positioning in the hands of, just in this country alone, well over 300 million people. Mm -hmm. And one of the big problems we have with our existing foundation, NAD83, the North American Datum of 1983, is that when we designed it back in the 70s and early 80s, it was the first system anywhere in the world to have its origin of coordinates at Earth mass center, Earth geocenter, because we we knew we were going to use satellites, and the satellites orbit about the mass center of Earth. Well, our knowledge of where that was back in the late 70s, was roughly about two meters, about seven feet. Today, with all the advances that have happened just over the past 30-plus years, we now scientifically know the location of Earth Geocenter down to a couple of centimeters. 
but our national data, U.S. national data, and NAD83, for all the wonderful things that NGS has done, is still fixed to that older definition. So uh-huh. almost overnight, if somebody's got a receiver and you can get, well, let's call it, you know, two feet, uh, and if we were still in NAD83, that difference or error, as many people would invariably call it, that would pop right up. Uh, and so we need to be in a position where the reference frame matches the capacity of, of the measurement systems that are out there. So that, that was kind of at the heart of it. Okay. All right. Um, well, <clears throat> are the... You know, you wrote a. You maybe we might take this up after the break, but um, uh, we're going to have to take a break here in just a little bit. But I wanted to ask you a question. You had, um, and I and I've referenced this often. Um, you had done a uh, uh, wrote a editorial back in 2013, um, uh, talking about that, talking about uh, smartphones and. You had mentioned uh, in that uh, 2003, it was in the old Professional Surveyor magazine. You, you mm-hmm. remember that yep. uh, magazine, yep. right? You, you, had, you yep. had written a, an, an op-ed or ed- editorial uh, about that uh, that cell phone use and um, and the the accuracy that you would be able to get with a with a smartphone. Uh, I want to. We'll pick up on that uh, right after the break. We got to take a break right now, David. We'll, we'll be back in just a couple minutes. Quick stakes. Is your answer to staking lightweight, easy to ride on, easy to use, easy to find, and won't break your back carrying them like the old-fashioned wooden stakes? Have you tried a sample? If not, get a pen and paper and write down this number, 800-438-0387, or go to quickstake.com, that's Q-U-I-K-S-T-A-K-E dot com, and order your samples. Ask your surveying supply dealer for quick stakes today. My name is Kyle Hayes, a motorsports student at Alfred State College. Every year, Alfred State students compete in the Great Race, which is a cross-country time endurance rally for vintage vehicles. As you can imagine, it's pretty costly. I'm asking for your help. Your donation can make it possible for these students to live their passion and promote the vintage automobile industry. Please visit our site at give.alfredstate.edu and search Great Race to learn more and help us reach our goal. Thank you. Hi, I'm Dr. Mike Karuchak. Join me and my co-host, Dr. Hal Schurz, as we talk about the topics that doctors talk about amongst themselves, such as Medicare, Obamacare, alternative forms of care, and health information technology. Join us every Thursday morning, 8 to 9 a.m. Quick Stakes. Does your survey supply dealer have Quick Stakes? If not, demand that they start carrying Quick Stakes. Did you know that Quick Stakes are better for your back than your local chiropractor? lightweight and easier to use than the old heavy wooden stake. Order a sample today and prove it to yourself. Quick Stakes, your bike-friendly stake. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. Welcome back, folks. Uh, this is uh, America's Web Radio. This is the Surveyor's Hour on America's Web Radio. I'm your host, Jeff Lucas, and uh, I am uh, happy to say we have a guest on the show, uh, show today, David Doyle. And uh, David, I, 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 I kind of let me just let me reposition the question I was asking you right before uh, 
right before the break um, because um, I, I want the audience to kind of um, understand what, what the question is. The question is, um, and I'm going from an article that, or a, a, an editorial that you had written back in 2013. That's shoot, that's seven years ago now. But uh, you had said in that uh, editorial in one of the in one of the trade magazines, one of the professional surveyors magazines. That by the when this new adjustment comes out, I think at the time it was supposed to be 2020. Now it's 2022. Mm-hmm. But you had said that anyone with and you 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 referenced this just a little bit ago that anyone with a smartphone <clears throat> will be able to get um, uh, really close uh, and accurate measurements. And, and in that article you had mentioned somewhere in the neighborhood of 10 centimeters. I mean, what's what's going to allow that to happen? Yeah. Well, that. Uh I've, I've commented that many times. I put it up when I give a workshop. It's one of the things I put up. We will be able to do that. Now, whether or not we can do it in 2022, and, and uh, I've always try to caveat it with the date. I, I don't have the crystal ball that allows me to know that. But we know it's going to happen, whether it's 2022, 25, 30, 35, or even 2050. We, will, we are, I think, rapidly approaching a time when the robustness of all of the these tools are going to allow for roughly about 10 centimeter positioning with a cell phone. Now, I suspect that to do that, you will have to have some kind of small external antenna, because the antennas are are pretty much the big bugaboo. But there's a lot of research that's going on, and and GPS antennas, GNSS antennas, excuse me, you know, are really pretty small. So it would look something not unlike, you know, one of the little... um, um, Units that you put in a cell phone to read a credit card or something like that. Um, yeah, there's yeah. a tremendous yeah, there's a tremendous amount of research that's being done into high accuracy positioning in handheld devices. And if you look at where we are today, just look at the number of disciplines that have all kinds of positioning embedded in whether or not it's a cell phone or it's a um, well, certainly a laptop. Uh, or you know, the, the whole range of devices that are out there. The thing is making them better. Well, with GPS-3 coming along, the, the, um, uh, the new, new development with the U.S. Global Positioning System and the other systems uh, globally, uh, we are rapidly going to be able to achieve, go out and have access to upwards of over 100 satellites giving us positioning, timing, and navigation. Uh, and just with the research I've seen, I've been to a couple of conferences for ION, the Institute of Navigation, all kinds of papers that are being done by grad students and postdocs who are looking at these issues. So uh, I try to, 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 when I give a presentation, I try to, to make sure that, that primarily the surveyors who are in the, in the audience are aware, look, this technology is coming, and, and we need to be prepared for it, not only as surveyors ourselves, but how surveyors are going to interact with people who have that kind of technology. Uh, and and yeah. in part, the new reference frame is designed for that. Mm-hmm. So it's a, it's, a, it's a combination, so if I'm hearing you correctly, it's a combination of the um, uh, increased um, satellite um, um Geometry out there, the, sat- the uh, satellite constellation—that's the word I'm looking for—and yeah. um, and the um, the adjustment of the datum, um, in essence, on the ground, 
and uh, advanced uh, advances in technology, you know, smartphones and such. That's all of that comes together to uh, to bring this uh, new uh, accuracy into the palm of your hand. Is that is that basically it? Oh, absolutely. And I think any of us who have been around electronic technology long enough, we certainly see that. Just think about what an EDM looked like in 1970 or 71. I, I comment about how when I joined NGS, pretty much the only EDM that was available to, to the public was, at that time, the HP 3800. And even that was still expensive. And we gave three-day right. workshops on how to run an EDM. Well, today, all of that stuff is embedded in a total station. No one even thinks about the EDM. You punch a button, it's robotic, boom, off you go. That, so right. these kinds of things are ultimately going to evolve with space-based positioning as well. And I think, you know, as, as a group, as a community of users, uh, surveyors and other positioning professionals, we need to be ready for this. Because it's going, when we get into the world now of centimeter-level positioning, well, one of the things we have to deal with is the fact that nothing on the Earth, in the Earth, about the Earth, is stable. Everything is moving. Right. And so we're, you know, if, if you're a surveyor in California or western Washington or Oregon, uh, maybe you're already dealing with this, but... Surveyors in, well, let's say Alabama, where you are, or Maryland, where I am, they're not really used to dealing with the fact that every so often we're going to have to deal with epochs, epochs of coordinates, epochs of height. So there's a whole new range of, of education that surveyors and others uh, are going to have to, to start uh, dealing with if, in fact, we're going to demand and use centimeter-level positioning. Okay, well, that brings up. <clears throat> I have epics on my list here of, of questions for you. So, so that brings up um, a, a couple of questions, really. Uh, and I don't want to forget about epics because I think that's uh, yeah. that's really interesting and something uh, our audience needs to hear about. But <clears throat> what I want to ask you first, I guess, is with this adjustment uh, that's going to be made. I mean, how much movement are we? We're not talking about a lot of movement here in the coordinates, are we? Well, it, it depends on which way you look at a coordinate. Now, if we look at, at the foundational coordinates, the latitudes and longitudes, certainly when we compare them to the, ch the changes we saw going from NAD27 to NAD83, which at that time was in excess of 100 meters when we got out to, to California, right. now we're going to be looking at a magnitude of roughly about a meter and a half, and that's up in the northwest, Washington and Oregon or seven-tenths of a meter down in Florida. But NGS is also going to be changing all of the state plane coordinates. So now if surveyors, others working in state plane coordinates, now they will see positional changes in the tens of thousands of feet. Okay. And so, so but the foundational change of, of the latitude and longitude is only about, well, roughly about a meter and a half or so. And, and the same is true in, in height, um, because we're going to see heights that are going to change roughly about um, two meters a, a, across the country. Uh, and so all of this is coming out at the same time, uh, a horizontal and a vertical change coming out together. But you're, uh, if, you're just, if you're a surveyor working with state plane coordinates, you're going to readily see the difference between NAD oh, yeah. uh, 83 and, and what, 
for what we're coming up with next. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. Okay. That's, that's one of the key elements NGS focused on. Okay, so one of the one of the things I guess it's it's concerning to a certain extent for surveyors is and I, I think I, I understand the, the the reason for the epics. Um just reading through some of these technical things, not that I understood everything I was reading uh, from NOAA. Um, well, to build a foundation for this, I guess now there's going to be instead of you know one North American um, data mm-hmm. zone, there's going to be like four zones, right, based on the tectonic yeah. plates. Yeah. And, yeah. and those those plates, they're not drifting; they're rotating. Is that correct? Well, they're doing both. There's motion. So if we look at the North American tectonic plate, for example, the vast majority of it from Maine to, oh, middle of Utah is doing a little southwest rotation at about about a centimeter and a half a year. And, and mm-hmm. I, I, you know, I've had surveyors, many surveyors over the years say, well, why can't NGS just leave stuff alone? You know, I've got good coordinates where I am in the <laughs> Leave it alone. You know, stop not right. with it. Well, that's, that's fine. You know, I understand that perspective. That's a, but you've embraced a centimeter positioning technology, yet we're standing on a platform that's moving a centimeter and a half a year. Right. How can we right. not, if we're going to maintain that, how can we not periodically have to change? Um, and that's just the, that's just the, the horizontal. The vertical is a, a whole different thing. So uh, these ethics are going to be five-year intervals, is that, is that correct? Yeah, I think that's the or current that. plan that, that NGS has, and, and they've exhibited that already now twice through the network of the cores, the continuously operating reference stations. So they've now done two of these reprocessing. They just finished one um, about a year ago, and they take all of the data from all of the cores, and they reprocess it to give better positions and better velocities. And I think their, their plan is that, yep, they'll just do that about every five years. So um, and so that the, the audience understands what we're talking about with, with, an, with an epic. We're going to, uh, over a five-year period, to, to put it in kind of layman's terms, the, um, the, the, the coordinates that we can derive from uh, the satellite inst- um, uh, constellation and our, our equipment will pretty much be constant uh, on the North American plate if you're working mm-hmm. in that area of the country. <clears throat> and then in five years, there, there's, there could be, so in 2027, there could be another adjustment, but it's going to be, I mean, really, I mean, relatively speaking, really, really small, correct? Yeah, yeah, just a few centimeters. They're not going to do a new false uh, northing and easting no, for the uh, no. state plane no, coordinates, no. right? No, 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 no. That's that's not the key at all. But but therein lies one of the problems, and, and it's one of my my big soapboxes, um, and that is surveyors providing metadata on their coordinates. Um, we we all know that, that you know as a surveyor from day one, you are taught or should be taught that you walk in the footsteps of the surveyor that went before you. And right. I'm pretty sure the overwhelming majority of surveyors who are, of course, working in, in boundary surveying, they know that. They understand that. The generation of, of coordinates and heights, though, I'm not sure they see it in the same way. And it's absolutely the same thing. 
So mm-hmm. users are out there, they're pumping out lots of high-accuracy coordinates, but every survey, I can guarantee almost every surveyor out there who's been de- dealing with this has at one point or another gotten a set of coordinates that maybe they've determined, and then some other contractor hands them another set of data from another surveyor, and they differ by 10 feet. And yeah. all they've got is a set of numbers, northings and eastings, or heights that are yeah. different by five feet. I mean, you know, the, the, the stories yeah. go on and on and on. Well, uh, David, I'm uh, sorry, we got we got to take a can we yep. can we pick up on this after the break? Yep, yep, take the break. Okay. Okay, and I wanted to uh, let everybody know that uh, Parker Davis is coming up with a big (laughs) surprise. Uh, Hopefully it'll be this week. They've never done this before, so you'll need to uh, uh, follow him on uh, Twitter or follow him on Facebook. We'll be announcing it there as well as uh, we'll be announcing it on air. And uh, it's going to be quite a surprise. Uh, They... uh, They've never done this before in the long time that they've been in business, and it'll be nothing but good for your pocketbook. So with that being said, we're going to take that break, and we'll be back with Jeff Lucas and his guest right after this. Quick Stakes is your answer to staking. Lightweight, easy to ride on, easy to use, easy to find, and won't break your back carrying them like the old-fashioned wooden stakes. Have you tried a sample? If not, get a pen and paper and write down this number, 800-438-0387, or go to quickstake.com, that's Q-U-I-K-S-T-A-K-E.com, and order your samples. Ask your surveying supply dealer for quickstakes today. Whether cruising the Strip in a 57 Chevy or taking the family on a vacation in a 71 Oldsmobile Vista Cruiser, you need to tune in to Classic Cars with Steve Ronaldo and Jim Weber every Saturday from 8 to 9 a.m. on AmericasWebRadio.com. Quick Stakes. Does your survey supply dealer have Quick Stakes? If not, demand that they start carrying Quick Stakes. Did you know that Quick Stakes are better for your back than your local chiropractor? Lightweight and easier to use than the old heavy wooden stake. Order a sample today and prove it to yourself. Quick Stakes, your back-friendly stake. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. Welcome back, folks. This is the Surveyor's Hour. I'm your host, Jeff Lucas, and I have with me here today, my guest is David Doyle, um, retired uh, chief geodetic surveyor from uh, the National Geodetic Survey. Uh, David, right before the break, we were talking about these epics and, um, and, and the small... The, the small adjustments that are going to be... Is it possible... Let me just ask this question. Is it possible there will, will be no adjustment in five years? I mean, in, in certain places or, or not? Oh, I would suspect that we'll see changes everywhere. Even if they're only at the millim- few millimeter level, there will be changes uh-huh. everywhere every five years. And that's, and again, that's just in the horizontal. The vertical's a whole right. other issue. Yeah. So, um, and what we were talking about is these very... The, the, the cord, the the false easting and northings, northings for the <clears throat> state plane coordinates aren't going to change. So it's going to be very difficult to see the difference between 
a coordinate in one epic and a coordinate in, in, in the, another epic. It, it, but you were yeah, talking it, about meta, uh, met, 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 metadata. Yeah, yeah. That that's to me that that's, that's a really big issue. Uh, metadata and uh, the, the common phrase that I use um, is that coordinates and height without appropriate metadata uh, has to me, has the same value as a boundary line in Google Earth, right? You know, coordinates and heights that without that stuff is, is just a cartoon. It's an estimation, a wild-ass right. something or other, you know? So, and, yeah. and this refers to the coordinates. What datum are they on? What epic is it? Um, in the case of state plane coordinates, well, what foot is, what unit of measure, feet, meters, uh, U.S. survey foot, international foot, although that's going away as well. And another issue for me is the accuracy. How good is a coordinate for height really? The, you know, the number of digits to the right of the decimal point has nothing to do with accuracy. And right. the, the tools that professionals have out there, if somebody generates a state plane coordinate or they generate a height using... GNSS or running levels or a total state. It doesn't make any difference what it is. There are all kinds of tools that the user should be able to go, oh, I determined a height for this point and um, I'm going to show it to three decimal places, but uh, gee, at the 95% confidence interval, uh, I know it's good to two decimal places. Or it's something of that nature so that when somebody walks in your digital footsteps, positions and heights, they know what to expect. And and as we start to generate more and more uh, of this, this high-accuracy data, to me, that's, that's amazingly critical. Um, what, one of the comments I make often about the new reference frame is one of my functions when we transitioned from NAD27 to 83 back in the mid-80s, one of my functions was to go around the country and assist federal and state agencies with the transition. And if we look back at that time, very, very few federal organizations or, or state agencies had any significant uh, amount of high-accuracy NAD27 data. Uh, USGS, the Corps of Engineers, TVA, if you were few. Mm-hmm. But that's not the case today. Uh, virtually every community in this country has what I often call mountains of high-accuracy data uh, on NAD83 and, and NAVD88 that's been generated by surveyors because of the technologies that we have. And so this is going to have a big impact across the country. And, and even though NGS does a very good job of, of putting out webinars and they've got their regional advisors, they're still stretched pretty thin. So I think the surveying community needs to kind of step up and take on the position of, of the educators for the rest of all of those um, uh, different organizations and institutions that are going to be uh, impacted um, by these changes. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, let me ask you a question about um, the, you know, old, the old-fashioned con- uh, genetic control points that are, mm-hmm. That, that are still out there in the ground uh, across the country. What's um, what, what's going to happen with them? I mean, are, are y'all just going to uh, drop those, or are there going to be no more data sheets? Uh, is this all going to be uh, all, all of this surveying going to be done from core stations? Uh, what's, well, that's, what's the situation that, there, Jeff? That's a great question. 
first of all, you know, I've heard this many times, oh, NGS wants to get rid of all the passive control. That's not true. Uh, what NGS has, has come to realize is that we cannot, the agency cannot deliver the reference frame through passive control because of these requirements, but passive monuments in the various forms that they take across the country, what, what, whatever particular form you like, a brass cap in concrete or you name chisel square, doesn't make any difference. Surveyors and others have lots of reasons that they want to have passive marks. So There's a huge range of them. What NGS has been trying to do is create new and effective ways in which surveyors and others can still go put passive marks in the ground, can still use the existing ones, and share that through, through, through um, web devices like Opus Shared Solutions that, that NGS has. Uh, so they fully, the agency fully recognizes the importance of passive control for a lot of the work that surveyors and engineers and, and others want to, to do. They, the passive marks will just not define the datum. That will be the active marks, uh, the, the cores. Uh, so that that decision okay. has has been made, and, and like I said, NGS. So, so the coordinates the coordinates on the uh, uh, on the on the passive uh, control points are, are going to be updated, correct? Yeah. Okay, all right. Yeah. Um, so they'll, you'll still be able to, you'll still be able to use those if 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 you want to use them for some reason. Sure, and you know one of the one of the comments, going back to NAD eighty three. When I was running around the country and working with folks, uh, invariably someone would ask me, well, do I have to convert? Do I have to change everything to this new datum? And, I, and of course, you know, no, you don't have to. There's no, there's no coordinate Gestapo out there that's going to come and make you change. <laughs> you know, <laughs> although I would say was, but that's a whole different thing. But the, no, there isn't any law as such. There are. But, but I think the, there's a huge difference between what happened back then and what's happening now, and that mm-hmm. is development of real-time networks. Look at the number of, of organizations around the country, whether it's land surveyors or it's state DOTs or other federal agencies. Everybody wants to buy into a real-time network, so when you, you've got survey, something to survey, you drive out, you jump out of the truck, you stand there for 15 seconds with a single receiver, punch a button, boom, got data, jump back in the truck, and down the road you go. Those yeah. real-time networks are now the foundation, even if they are not managed by NGS. And the managers, the managers of those systems, they are, they are really hot to keep their systems as strong as they can be. And, I, mm-hmm. and while NGS has not made a specific uh, declaration yet, the general rule in the past <clears throat> has been that when there is a new set of coordinates for the cores, the continuously operating reference station, the older values will be maintained for about a year, and then they just become superseded data. So yeah. I suspect that when the, when the final values for this go out, and I'm highly suspecting now, we're, it, we're probably not, it's probably going to be late 2023 at best, especially with all those things that have been going on now. But nonetheless, when that happens, when NGS rolls those new coordinates out, those managers of those real-time networks, they're going to grab onto that, and within probably literally a couple of days, that's what they'll be feeding out to their customers. And the customers Mm -hmm. need to be prepared for that. 
And, yeah. and so if you're not going to rely on the passive marks, if you just want to go out and run around and position yourself, well, that, that's going to be the new world we're in. Right. And, and and anybody with a smartphone will be able to, <laughs> will be able to get Absolutely. pretty good positions. Yeah. Uh, you touched on something. Go ahead, David. I'm sorry. No, 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 no. Go, 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 go. You got a question. Yeah, <clears throat> you touched on another little uh, hot button uh, last segment, and that's the international foot. And then, in passing, you said that's going away. What's what's? First of all, tell us why do we need the international foot, and and, and is it is that argument over with or that argument is done? It's that put to bed. Um, actually, let's go back to 1959. Um, what was then the Bureau of Standards, now the National Institute of Standards and Technology, or NIST. Um, they they reevaluated the relationship of the yard and the meter and hence the foot. And at that time, they separated this out. They said, okay, um, the old value that we were, we were using, we're going to call that the U.S. survey foot. And what's coming out with respect to that 1959 Federal Register notice would now be called the international foot. And, you know, it's in a Federal Register notice. Nobody pays attention to it except federal agencies. When NGS... Um, developed NAB 83, and we sat down and we had lots of in-house discussions about what to do about state plane coordinates because we said, well, we should use this new foot definition because we're a standards agency, a federal standards agency. And yet, through other through other surveying groups like the old ACSM, we were, the agency was getting a lot of pushback to keep the U.S. survey foot. So what the, the director at that time said, look, there's one meter, and NGS, the agency NGS, has been a metric agency for, well, at that point, well over 180 years. So we're going to publish everything meters. If the states want to publish feet, then they should do so. And if they legislate it, then NGS would put it on a data sheet. Well, this time around, NGS is looking at that because they're, you know, and, and again, many surveyors have, have dealt with that difference in, in different feet, or if you're in North Carolina and you're bumping up against South Carolina, you got one state's U.S. survey foot, the other's the international foot. This time around, NGS took that uh, Federal Register notice to heart, and they said, look, here's the deal. We're putting the U.S. survey foot to bed. Um, um, Dr. Michael Dennis actually made a great, I mean, a great presentation at uh, an NSPS uh, board meeting uh, about a year and a half ago. Uh, he laid it out very, very well, I thought. And so the term international foot goes away, but so does the U.S. survey foot. And now it will be just the, a foot or feet, uh, as the case may be. So international will not be part of that definition when NGS generates state plane coordinates, but it will effectively be the international foot. And not the old U.S. survey foot. Nope. That's gone. Okay. <clears throat> so as far as as far as looking at a data sheet or getting or, or getting your coordinate values in feet, we're we're actually going to be in the, uh, when all of this takes place, we're going to be looking at what we used to call the international foot. Correct. Yep, that's correct. It'll, okay. it'll just say feet. Okay, we got about thirty seconds here before we're going to take another break. Um, yep. Let's see. Uh, what about um, 
What about uh, what? Well, and I'm, I'm open. You, uh, I'm probably not going to ask you this question. We'll we'll go after the break here. Uh, I, I I don't want to give you an open ended uh, question and then tell you, hey David, we got a break. So we're we're going to we're going to take a break right about now, David. Sure. Quick stakes. Does your survey supply dealer have quick stakes? If not, demand that they start carrying quick stakes. Did you know that quick stakes are better for your back than your local chiropractor? Lightweight and easier to use than the old heavy wooden stake. Order a sample today and prove it to yourself. Quick stakes, your back friendly stake. And we want to thank everybody for uh being on a listening to and uh, coming into America's Web Radio. Uh, we also want to remind everybody that we've got some of the greatest shows. If you haven't checked us out, please do. Uh, we we have the Business Hour. Uh, we have uh, Doctor's Lounge, Master's Message. Master's Message is an invitation to join us on Fridays for a meditation session with our own Kung Fu master, Deiru. And uh, he's well known throughout the world, and we are very, very lucky to have him. We also have Agent in Charge that we are doing our own investigation. He was a federal agent for many years and doing our own investigation on what happened to General Flynn. And uh, I think you'll be very interested to find out some of the what our agent in charge, Sandy Bostic, feels about his old uh, FBI that he worked at. So that, then we have David's pick, uh, Remembering Desert Shield and Desert Storm, and many other great, great programs. So tune in to America's Web Radio and... Uh, we will be back right after another message from Quickstakes. And keep in mind, keep checking Facebook and Twitter for Parker Davis Quickstakes to be making a very interesting announcement that will your your pocketbook will love it. Talk to you later, and uh, we'll be back with Jeff Lucas and his guest right after this. Quickstakes is your answer to staking. Lightweight, easy to ride on, easy to use, easy to find, and won't break your back carrying them like the old-fashioned wooden stakes. Have you tried a sample? If not, get a pen and paper and write down this number, 800-438-0387, or go to quickstake.com. That's Q-U-I-K-S-T-A-K-E.com, and order your samples. Ask your surveying supply dealer for Quickstakes today. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. Welcome back, folks. This is Jeff Lucas, the host of uh, the Surveyor's Hour, and I have uh, my guest with me today is David Doyle, uh, retired chief geodetic surveyor for the National Geodetic Survey. Uh, David, um, what's uh, – okay, so there's going to be a lot of transformation here uh, for surveyors, yeah. uh, especially for surveyors. Uh, is What is NGS going to do – to help uh, to help um, with with tools and such to, to get get us through this transformation. Sure, absolutely. Well, NGS of course is committed to to quality transformations as much as they can. Now, if we look at the horizontal side, or as more appropriately, the geometric side, latitude, longitude, 
and ellipsoid height. And, of course, that's the same with state plane coordinates. That's just a conversion. Uh, NGS already has an extremely strong tool. Uh, it will be changed a bit before they go live with it, but there's a tool on the website now called HTDP, Horizontal Time-Dependent Positioning. Uh, and using a tool like that, uh, you can easily perform transformations that have uncertainties literally at the centimeter level. So if you've acquired uh, horizontal data, geometric data, and it's a centimeter, this transformation that NGS will provide, I, I can pretty much guarantee, I'm not a betting man, but I can pretty much guarantee you that the horizontal part of this will, will be just absolutely top-notch first rate. The vertical is an entirely different animal here. Uh, this is going to rely, because there is no leveling in the new vertical datum, leveling is done in terms of defining the vertical datum. So since it's not a matter of comparing leveling in one datum to leveling in another, it is purely about uh, how much GPS on benchmarks there are in the country. So the, the accuracy of the vertical transformation is going to be totally dependent on the amount of identification of GPS on benchmark uh, around the United States. NGS is not going to go out and do this. It's going to be up to the surveyors uh, in the community to do it. Uh, NGS has a great uh, web page for this. So if anybody out there is, is listening, all you have to do is go to the NGS home page, so, you know, www.ngs.noaa.gov, and on the blue banner along the top says Science and Education. You click on that, you get a drop-down menu, GPS on Benchmark. You click on that, scroll down to the bottom of the page, and there's a, a web application that shows where NGS would like GPS on benchmark submitted using the OPUS tool, the online positioning user service tool, and its associated OPUS shared solution. So in areas where there's lots of GPS on benchmarks, which is, and I'm, you know, I'm kind of limiting things here now, if we look east of the Mississippi, things look pretty mm -hmm. good, generally mm -hmm. pretty good. If you look west of the Mississippi, and not so much. So surveyors across the country are going to have to step up and go out, perform these observations, submit the data to NGS if they want to have a good transformation, vertical transformation in Utah and Nevada and the Dakotas and Wyoming and Montana, um, even even. Parts of the, the East Coast, uh, Georgia is pretty thin, some places, uh, West Virginia, uh, parts of Maine. Uh, so in my mind, state associations, state surveying professional associations are a great way to sort of divvy this stuff out and say, okay, let's all go out and, and get this done. And at least as of right now, the agency has made a cutoff of the end of next year, that is the end of 2021, is when they will stop accepting any of this new data. I'm hoping that with the current situation, they will extend that date, and they very likely will. But nonetheless, even if they do by six months, that's not a lot of time. You know, so yeah. and you'll get one shot. We'll, we'll get one shot at this. NGS has not made any condition that says, oh, every five years we'll take more GPS and benchmarks and redo the transformation. 
uh-uh, it's going to be a one-shot deal as of right now. So whatever the legacy is going to be for the surveyors in Texas, for example, or New Mexico, uh-huh. um, 20 years from now is going to be whatever the surveyors today do. So that's a big deal. Unless unless NGS decides to uh, do, do, do another uh, adjustment to the elevations. In, in well, even, even, and, and there will be that, because there are any number of parts of the country that are undergoing um, uh, some velocity. All right? So the Gulf Coast, I mean, you're down in Alabama, you're pretty close to the Gulf mm-hmm. Coast. Uh, everybody's right. pretty well aware that the Gulf Coast is subsiding. And yes, there, there will be changes in those, <laughs> in those areas, and in those areas where there is significant subsidence or uplift, um, yeah, I'm sure NGS will make certain modifications in those local areas. But, um, mm-hmm. for example, in Utah, it doesn't seem to be a lot of subsidence in Utah or New Mexico. And right now, the amount of GPS on benchmarks there compared to, let's say, Minnesota. You know, Minnesota is, like, crazy with, with GPS on benchmarks. So when we look at something like the geoid models that, that are currently out there, the geoid model, geoid 18, is terrific in Minnesota uh, and in many states in the East Coast. It's pretty good. Uh, West Texas and New Mexico and Utah, and again, not so much, no matter how yeah. many digits to the right of the decimal point are out there. Right. So, so the, yes, there will be, certainly there will be changes over time, but you have to have a foundation to start with. Right, right. And that's what they're going to do uh, this this first time around. Um, that that'll be the foundation they're going to work with, and from there they'll yeah. make adjustments as as they go along. Okay. Um, are there any? any of these, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. No, you you go ahead, Dave. I, I'm just saying, like like any number of plans, we all know that when you get five years or ten years down the road, some of those plans are going to change yeah. because technologies will change. Right. Well, uh, are there? Do you have any recommendations on how we can be better informed about these uh, data changes and uh, you know coming up and and in the future? Sure. Well, first of all, to, in, in my humble opinion, every professional survey, anybody out there that owns a GPS receiver or publishes coordinates and heights, should be on the NGS mailing list, uh, and they they get updates, they get. Uh, announcements of webinars. NGS is trying to do like a webinar about every month or month and a half on on various aspects of the new reference frame. And most of those webinars are also good for a free PDH. So that's a, that's a good thing. So that's one yeah. that they can do. Um, there are a number of webinars that even if you haven't listened before, you go to the NGS website and, and you can search through their webinars. Um, and there's lots of them that have already been presented. A good example is uh, Dr. Michael Dennis has a number of webinars on on his perspective on state plane coordinates. So surveyors can go and download that, open it up, and listen to it for an hour. Uh, there are other, some more modest utilities. Um, I did a few online things for the Florida GNSS users group a couple of years ago, and one of them is on, on the new datum. So if, you, if somebody just... If they want to listen to that, they just Google my last name, Doyle, Geodesy, and ultimately they'll find um, the, the webinar or the uh, uh, video that I did out there. And, and, of course, when we get back into it, state conferences 
where they will bring in speakers on this, whether it's the NGS regional advisor or people like myself, Dave Dokowski or others who were part of this effort. Yeah, okay. Um, well, um, <clears throat> what kind of changes can we expect in space-based positioning services in the near future? Yeah, well, I think that, that that's going to be the big deal. I mean, uh, NGS is working really hard, and I know they're working hard on this, and they are challenged. Um, they need to, to develop new software that will allow users to integrate all of the constellation into the National Spatial Reference System. So pretty much everybody out there now that has a receiver, it's no longer a GPS receiver, it's a GNSS receiver. Uh, I suspect almost every receiver that's out there now, if it's, you know, within the last three or five years, has the capability of accessing all four of the constellations that may not be turned on, but but you can still do it. Well, uh-huh. so most users are already accessing Chinese Beidou and, and European Union Galileo, and so they can use it in, in their daily work, but if they're connecting to the National Spatial Reference System, such as using Opus or tying into anything else, that all goes away because NGS currently only utilizes the U.S. global positioning system. And they have a piece of software that's integrated into all of this stuff. Most people never look at it, but it's a piece of software called Pages, and it's very dynamic. It's great stuff, but it's complex. And so NGS Uh is working hard to generate new software that will embrace all of those, but that's still at least a couple of years out uh, I suspect it's, it's, it's difficult, um, and but I think that there will be a big impact. Just just think about what it was like when many of us first started doing this. If, if you you need four satellites in view, well, those of us who go back to the '80s and early '90s can easily remember. Well, if I need four satellites, it's always at two o'clock in the morning. Uh, to get four <laughs> exactly. <laughs> well, thankfully, those days are gone. But we are right on the cusp of being able to go out, turn on a receiver, and have 25 satellites in view. Yeah. So, David, and the fa- David, and be- I got, I got, I got to interrupt you. We're, uh, yep. we're, we're at a show, and uh, okay. I want to thank you for being on the show today. And uh, uh, stay in touch. Oh, my pleasure, Jeff. It's great talking to you, buddy. Take care. Stay well, and everybody else out there, stay well, please. All right. Thanks, thank you, David. Appreciate it. Thank you. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening.